Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We are 20 days away from the NFL draft at the time we're recording this show, taking a good look at possibly the Dolphins' biggest need on the roster, and that's offensive tackle. Paul, last offseason, the Dolphins traded Laramie Tunzel to the Texans. They let Juwan James walk. They ended up getting a lot of draft capital. But on the other side, they were historically bad on the offensive line. They were 32nd in sacks allowed, 32nd in quarterback hits, 32nd in yards per carry. So a lot of work to be done right now because after everything the Dolphins have done this offseason, they have Julian Davenport at left tackle and Jesse Davis at right tackle right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to discount how bad the line is, but I am going to give them a little little teensy bit of credit, um, given the fact that you know the yards per carry there was no running game to speak of, even when they when they did open up some holes, it wasn't there, uh, and and that does not all fall on their shoulders. But yeah, you and I have talked a lot offline, given the fact that Rosen is still young and has some potential, given the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is still on this roster the biggest, most glaring need, and the one that I've told you straight up, if the Dolphins don't come away with either a left tackle on day one, uh, a trade for Trent Williams, or some form of an answer at left tackle, this is a failure for me in the, in this draft. And that that says a lot to me. I mean, and the only way I'd say maybe you can wait on a left tackle is if you happen to draft two at number five, and then you want to go with maybe say, and I won't rank him right now, but I think Worfs comes into play the most for a team that drafts Tua because he's going to be protecting Tua's blind side as opposed to a lot of these other guys. Yeah, and I look at that first four group of four offensive tackles and. A lot of people have him ranked in, in different spots. I mean, some people have Tristan Worfs as the first guy. Some people have him as the fourth guy. But overall, I, I think there's a general consensus on who the top four offensive tackles are. And it's really important that the Dolphins get one of them. And I'm with you on that. If the Dolphins are not in a position to draft somebody at 18, they better be trading up for one of them. So that group, that first group of four players – in no particular order, Tristan Worfs out of Iowa, Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, Makai Becton out of Louisville. Out of those first four, Paul, where would you rank them from one to four? I'm going to go with Becton first. And a lot of people thought I was crazy a month ago for saying that. But given the fact that he's started the warm up for a lot of folks, given the fact that he's got more sheer size than any individual has a right to, let alone the athleticism to match. 
And he's in the top four conversation already and probably has the most opportunity for growth on top of that. So given the fact he's a physical freak and the fact that he's got the most opportunity to grow, Becton's easily at the top of that list for me. I tend to go a little bit back and forth after that. I'd go with Jedrick Wills uh, as my number two. And I really think Andrew Thomas is probably better than Tristan Wirfs. But the caveat I've got there as well is if a team, including the Dolphins, I will say that, you know, if if the Dolphins draft to a, I think Wirfs becomes an even bigger target because he's a lot more comfortable on that right side than I think the other three would be. Yeah, I've I've got a different order for the first four, but I'm nitpicking because on my Dolphins draft board, I've got them all one after another. So there's not a lot separating them right now. If I had to pick one, I would go with Tristan Worfs first. To me, he has the highest floor and the highest ceiling. Um, he was a fantastic right tackle at Iowa and he's he showed at the combine that he was a great athlete too. Ran a four eight five forty with a thirty six and a half inch vert and a ten one broad jump. That usually doesn't matter for me with offensive line, but it, I mean he, he had a higher vert and a better broad than Jerry Judy. So and also last year when Alaric Jackson went down for Iowa, he slipped to that left tackle spot. And so he showed he can play both positions there. Number two, very close, and it depends on whether or not the Dolphins draft Tua or they draft a right-handed quarterback. Uh, But if they, as it stands right now, I'm going to barely go with Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. He's somebody that, uh, you know, I I really thought, you know, five, six months ago was going to be a top five pick easily. Now I'm seeing a mock to the Dolphins at 18, which I would absolutely love. He's a Powerful, battle-tested left tackle, long arms, long wingspan, uh, great run blocker, very, very powerful. Not the greatest defeat, but I, I think he can be coached up on that. And in a worst-case scenario, something Travis Wingfield said a couple of times is that you know you might be able to move him into guard because he's so powerful. He also played right tackle as a freshman, so he's got that versatility too. Uh, Jedrick Wills at Al- from Alabama would be my third guy, but he would be second if the Dolphins took Tua because he would be a pure right tackle. Uh, Great athlete, technically sound, incredible punch. But at the end of the day, I wonder is, can a six foot four, 312 pound right tackle go top 10? And then fourth is going to be Makai Becton for me. Um, He came out of nowhere last year. He's definitely the rawest, but he has the most upside out of this unit. Um, He played some left tackle and right tackle at Louisville too. And, And Paul, I kind of think with Becton, People overthink these giant offensive linemen because, for example, Bryant McKinney, gosh, a decade ago, uh, or, or no, 15 years ago now, gosh, he was just so massive and could move so well for his size. Even though he wasn't the greatest of football player, he was so hard to run around. Exactly. It's, it's, if you've got a guy that has the athleticism to stay with a speed rusher and has the body mass, to make it more difficult for somebody to just push him out of the way. Oh, you're always in at least a decent spot as far as it goes on the line. And and I hate to simplify it like that, but you really are. I mean, technique, leverage, they win. But at the same time, you can use the same principle you use with like a Vince Wilfork or a Tim Bowen. Even when they didn't get there, you didn't get them out of the way. 
That's for sure. And to even go a step further with that, uh, next generation stats, if you look at the quarterbacks from last year, uh, on average, from the time that the quarterback takes a snap to the time he releases the ball, the average for every quarterback in the league was somewhere somewhere between 2.51 seconds and 3.01 seconds. So it takes a really good player uh, on the edge to consistently get around Mekhi Becton. And that's why these big linemen, not just Bryant McKinney 15 years ago, but I mean, Morgan Moses from Virginia, Phil Lodeholt from Oklahoma, Orlando Brown, Jared Gaither, Colton Miller, these guys who were 6'8", 6'9", it, it just takes a lot to get around them. And it, that's where you can start start off at the offensive tackle position, even though Makai Becton is very, very raw. Paul, on that next group, that's where it starts to get a little bit more muddy. Um, I know I'm higher on the, the next two guys on my list than you are. Um, how, how do you make sense out of this next group after these top four tackles? It's kind of funny. The more I watch of Austin Jackson, as an example, and I know he's the number five guy on a lot of boards out there, the more I watch Austin Jackson, the more I want to see him at guard at least early in his career and see if he can turn into a tackle at some point. I see him using his athleticism to pull and fight in the phone booth. And I, that may or may not be a popular opinion out there, but I'm 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 really getting in that vein. And and you actually turned me on a little more to Ezra Cleveland. Uh, he's the guy that I definitely think would be a very good fit in Miami and give you that chance to possibly give up a little more if you want to do a trade up, which I would only do for one player. We don't need to beat that to death. That's another 20 shows we've done where I've done that. Um, after that, I, I do like Niang at a TCU. Uh, I think he's a very underrated prospect. Um, and then it's that there's a pretty good drop off. You've got Sadiq Charles. Well, we'll get, we'll get to all that. We'll get to all that. So back to you on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, Austin Jackson is a OT five for a lot of people or OT six. It, definitely not for me. I, number one on my do not draft list. I mean, that I've got in my head. I watched four games of this guy, and uh, two of them are one was against Iowa, one was against Utah, and then I watched two others. Against Iowa, A.J. Epineza beat him for two and a half sacks. Bradley and I destroyed him at Utah. And then the other game I watched, he did okay. And the, then the other one, he he had a really good game. But I see too much rawness out of him. He's 20 years old. He's a great athlete, but he's six. But even for being six five, three twenty two, there's just too much getting through on the left side. I wouldn't draft this guy to the third round. Um, and, and I hope the Dolphins don't do what a lot of mock drafts are doing and have him go either 18 or 26. Um, so my OT number five is Josh Jones out of Houston. I, I know I like him more than you do. Oh, great, great pass protector. <laughs> What's that? I completely forgot about Josh. No, no. It's, I mean, we're, we're going to cover – there's a big group. We're, we're, we're going to get to a lot of these at some point. Great pass oh, protector yeah. for, at Houston for the last four years, but didn't face the greatest level of competition. And when you watch him play, you can see some, some technical flaws out of him. His hand placement's not the greatest. His feet can be all over the place, but I, I, I see the physical skills in him. And when he went to senior – he played – 
Yeah, and his technique is usually there. I mean, he's, he's got a little refining to do. The biggest thing that, that I want to see from Matt at the next level is if he can just get stronger, which you and I have been through the ins and outs of the Dolphins facility, and, and you know, we both know the way things are for these pros, it, it's, it's amazing the resources at their disposal. Even when you've heard about it, seeing it firsthand, you know, down to the littlest thing, like the signs on the Gatorade coolers and everything else. I mean, it's, he would have that opportunity. To, and the weird thing that hurts Pert for me is the fact that, you know, we're looking at potentially a shortened off season with all the madness going on right now. And so getting him in there into their strength and conditioning program would be the biggest boost to the, to, to a player like him. So he might become a longer term project based around what's going on right now. Yeah. Pert is somebody that I really like as an early day three type of guy where the dolphins are picking in the fourth round. He's somebody, I, I don't care if the Dolphins have already drafted two tackles. I would still look at this guy because the, the talent's so immense. He's mm-hmm. Right now, he's all arms and legs. He bends awkwardly. He might be able to even kick inside the right guard. But, you know, he's also somebody that played four years in college, two, at left, two years at left tackle, three, uh, two years at right tackle. More of a developmental type of guy. He has an 86-and-a-half-inch wingspan. As a comparison, Josh Jones is 80-and-a-half. Is so he's got a lot to work with there. And I, I'm, I like the developmental tackle in the third, fourth round, not in the first round, like, we're, like I'm talking about with Austin Jackson. And going down the list here, too, uh, two other guys that stick out, uh, Sadiq Charles from LSU. He surprised a lot of people by, a, a, coming out as an underclassman to begin with and after protecting Joe Burrow's blindside, but then he came to the combine and he actually weighed in at 321 pounds where a lot of people thought he would be six, four, two Instead he's six, four and a half, three twenty one. He had a lot of off the field issues at, at LSU, but he's somebody that, that certainly showed the ability in college, whether or not that he has the long-term ability or he can keep his head on straight remains to be seen. Ben Barch is somebody really hurt by this pre-draft process that you talked about, Paul. He might, he was starting to look like, kind of like, as PFF said, uh, the, the Allie Marpet of this draft. Allie Marpet was a second round pick for the Bucks out of Hobart University a, a couple of years ago uh, and stepped right in for the Bucks. But it, Ben Barch goes to senior bowl week, does a great job against the best in the business but doesn't have the follow-up now to talk to these different NFL teams. So instead of being a second or third round pick, he may end up being a fourth or a fifth round pick. So a very, very wide class here of different types of offensive tackles. It is. And, you know, there's a handful of others like Trey Adams out of Washington, who's got some question marks, but I want to go back to city Charles for a second here. It's, Sadiq Charles almost couldn't afford to stay in college anymore, given the fact that he's shown so many maturity issues, given the fact that he's been suspended from the team. And, you know, there are flashes with him that look like a special talent. And then there are flashes that don't. And the off-field stuff terrifies me because from what I understand and what I hear, 
it's like he's made the same mistakes over and over again and not learned from them off the field. And, you know, you give somebody like that a few million dollars here to go out and keep their nose clean, it doesn't usually end well. That's very true. And especially with this roster, the one time the Dolphins made made an exception, it was with Mark Walton. And you, everybody know how that went. You know, other than that, they, they really have stayed away from guys with, with the character concerns. So I think you're right. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Charles was off their board entirely. Um, so, Paul, here's, here's the big question now with, when it comes to the tackle spot. It's been racking my brain here for the last couple of months. Is, let's say the Dolphins stay at five and, and take a quarterback. Tua, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, whoever it is. I don't know if an offensive tackle is falling to that 18th spot. And we, we've gone through mock drafts that have suggested the same. We've looked at mock drafts that have suggested the same as well. So say the Dolphins pick a quarterback at, at five. What do you think they should do as far as, as getting at least one of these offensive tackles? I think they should very closely monitor the board. I think they should start putting their feelers in to the teams between them and number five. And if there starts to be a run on tackles, they better be able to, to jump their ass in there and get one. Uh, I, it's any one of these four I'd be happy with on the Dolphins roster. Any one of these four is an improvement on the Dolphins roster. And if you're not going to go up and get somebody, you better be planning to make that trade for Trent Williams even if you have to give up one of the second round picks to do so. Yeah, you better do something there. That that's for sure. And when I look at the board, the pick that the two picks I really look at are the Giants at 4 and the Cardinals at 8. Because at 4, I expect the Giants to go offensive tackle and and you've mocked, every time you've had them, you've mocked them to to get either Mackay Becton or Tristan Morphs and I agree with that. If they don't, and say let's say they go with Isaiah Simmons instead or somebody else, or they trade down, it's quite possible that the first offensive tackle does not come off the board until pick at least eight with Arizona. And if you start to see those tackles fall down the board, which tends to happen on draft day, that's where the Dolphins need to be right in there and be willing to trade a second or a third round pick to leap up a few spots for a Tristan Warfs, for an Andrew Thomas, for a Jedrick Wills, for a Mackay Becton, because they, they've got to at least get one of these positions correct. They do. And while you were talking, I have a hypothetical for you. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if Chris Greer decides it's Burrow or Bust at quarterback, in this year's draft, or there's somebody in the late rounds who wants to go at quarterback, or he just wants to ride it with Rosen and Fitzpatrick, and is just dead set against going quarterback at number five. Would you be upset if his alternative, and not upset that he didn't go quarterback, but just at least as far as his alternative goes, he were to take one of these four offensive tackles at fifth overall? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would say, look, at, at pick number, when you're picking fifth after all of this, if you don't come mm-hmm. away with a quarterback in a draft 
with when you're going to have four of the top 15 picks be quarterbacks in this draft likely that that's going to be a little bit hard for me to swallow because I don't I think Josh Rosen has to be viewed as as really a bonus at this point but the alternative to that and while I'm pretty open-minded about this whole thing is that if they said look we like Josh Josh Rosen a lot more than a lot of people thought and we're willing to go with an, a left tackle at, at five and then we're going to come away with with one of these other talented players at the right tackle spot and also maybe you can draft Caesar Ruiz late in the first or early in the second round because you have the picks to do that I can see that working really any scenario other than Justin Herbert at number five I, I'm pretty open on no I'm with you it, it's <clears throat> I mean I think I think I even actually in one of our mocks had the Dolphins select Mackay Becton at number five. Um, it's, you know, if the Dolphins believe in Josh Rosen or if the, <clears throat> they don't believe in Tua for medical, Herbert for football, um, you know, if they believe it's too much of a reach to take Love fifth overall and they decide to go ahead and, and rebuild the offensive line from there, I'm not going to be upset if they take any four, any of these four guys. Personally, as as we outlined at the start of the show, I'd prefer it be Becton or Wills at, at at number five. But again, it it's a scenario where I'd be okay with them trading back a little bit and seeing which of them fall if they've got them graded as closely as you and I do, and, and you know maybe trade down with Jacksonville, accumulate a little bit, be able to rebuild that offensive line. I got news for you, Josh. Josh Rosen's biggest issue was time to make decisions. So if you've got a line that can give him time to make decisions, he might be better than we, we all expected, even if he didn't improve his, his speed at, at decision-making last year. Yeah, I mean, he, just two years ago now, Josh Rosen was the 10th overall pick in the draft. And at the very least, for even people that weren't the biggest fan of him coming out, he, he hasn't gotten an opportunity yet. He's 20, 23 years old now. And he has played behind the two most historically bad offensive lines in back-to-back years. So there, there is some promise there um, from what everything we've heard coming out of training camp and what we saw materialize throughout the season. I don't know if the team is there on Josh Rosen, but I, I then again, maybe they just don't know about him yet either. So I, I still think the Dolphins are coming away with the quarterback here uh, in the top five. And I, I know you've, you're feeling that way too, even though it's not something specifically that you would probably do. But you've got to get this offensive line right. There, there's no doubt about that. Because if you look back historically for the Dolphins over the last 10 to 12 years, when they've spent the draft picks on the offensive line, Jake Long, Vernon Carey, uh, Mike Pouncey, these types of players, Juwan James, when they've spent the resources to get them, they, they've gotten good players. When they have it and they thought they could get something for nothing, like Billy Turner, Dallas Thomas, Josh Sitton, these type of players did not pan out. No, they didn't. And, you know, it, it's – and I've got news for the, the Tua fans out there. And, look, if Tua ends up in the Dolphins, I'll root for him just as hard as anybody else. If Tua ends up in Miami – 
I don't want to use the word injury prone. I'm not quite to that point with him, but he has an injury history enough that, and he's got this surgically repaired hip now that he's supposedly going to be ready to play on for August, September ish, because he gave his word that he is. Um, so good for him. But if two is your quarterback, you should be praying as well that the next three or four picks are predominantly offensive line. You want to put as much talent to protect somebody that's already got an injury history with his legs from taking those hits on a, on the regular basis as you possibly can. Miami's got receiver talent. We've talked about that in a previous episode. Yeah, Miami does need a running back. We've talked about it in a previous episode how there are options to improve that position later on in the draft as well, even though there's some very talented guys that are going to be there in the second round. Well, yeah, and Paul, mm-hmm. th- th- there's no shame in saying Tua is injury prone. And it, the question from that point is what are what are you going to do about it? Are you going to take the risk on that or not? And whether it's Tua, Jordan Love, or – God forbid, Justin Herbert at five, or at least for me, that you, with these three specific quarterbacks, Tua because of the injury, Jordan Love because he's a small school quarterback and he makes, he, you know, when he's pressured, he can make poor decisions. And then Justin Herbert, who had the best offensive line in college football at Oregon and still made poor decisions. You've got to keep either, any of these three healthy. And you've got to keep them upright and, and have them with time to make uh, make better decisions there. On the other hand, with Joe, with, uh, Joe Burrow, and that's the other side of this, if the Dolphins end up, and I don't think they will at the end, I, I put it at about 15% that they would end up trading up for Joe, Joe Burrow. The difference with Joe Burrow is that he can sense the pressure a lot better than these other three quarterbacks. So he's not as dedicated on his offensive line as these other three quarterbacks, at least based on what they showed in college. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's funny because Joe Burrow probably had the best offensive line amongst all four of them. And, you know, it, it's – but he also is a guy that, that completed the most under pressure. But that's – again, that's that's another show. I've taken us down a rabbit hole here. My My biggest point here is you've got to protect these guys. But push comes to shove, you need to protect Tua a little bit more based on the history – and invest more into protecting Tua, even though you want to invest in protecting your franchise quarterback. Tua needs it more than most because at the end of the day, if you don't draft people to protect Tua, you're just going to go back to either Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen starting anyway. So you might as well not. Without question, if you start Tua's career off in 2020, provided he gets on the field, with Austin Jackson at left tackle and Jesse Davis at right tackle, you're asking for trouble. There's no doubt about that. And we will end on that note. You can follow Paul and I on the Fin side on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I am Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And be sure to tune in to the rest of our positional breakdowns, too, for the Dolphins. We've got a lot of good good stuff coming up here. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. So, Ladee, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fin.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.